Good day, I'm Conita Hunter and this is The Ballot Box. The people themselves will lead from the front because the ANC has sold out the people of South Africa. For the first time ever, the DA has a candidate in every single ward in the country. Let us now go out there and take back our towns and our cities. We are the African National Congress and we've been serving the people of this country for the past 27 years. The African National Congress will deliver. Local government elections are on its way and South Africans are prompted to go to the ballot box to vote for who should run the wards we live in and the municipalities that govern the areas we stay in. It comes as no surprise that local government in the country is in shambles, with only 7% of all municipalities well run. One of those municipalities is the Midval municipality, which is the best run in Gauteng, according to several institutions, including Ratings Africa, PMR Africa, and the Gauteng City Region Observatory. Its mayor, Bongani Baloy, leaves after an incredibly successful eight years as mayor. Today we ask him, what does it take to be a good mayor? Bongani, thank you so much. It's been a while, right? Definitely. I think we last had our interview building up to the 2016 elections. Were we, were we sharing a Coke or milkshake? I can't remember. It was a very pretty setting. That's all I can remember from 2016. Yes, we were on the campaign trail and I think you joined us in one of our local restaurants uh, this side. The one impression that I had from, from five, almost five years ago now is how clean Midval is. And it's something that um, coming from the city of Johannesburg, it was very stark. It was almost too clean. I didn't know what to do with myself. <laughs> well, that impression uh, is still a reality still today, and I hope it continues to be a reality. You've been a mayor there for 10 years now, almost. Is it 10 years? Yeah, almost. well, eight years. Eight it's been years. eight years uh, since 2013. So that's basically all of your 20s you've given to being a mayor. How has it been? Well, well it's been awesome. Uh, it's, it's something I don't regret. It's something that I found quite fulfilling and I'm proud of to have had the opportunity at an early age of, of my <clears throat> of my adulthood to be of service to my community and, and in other ways to be of service to my country as well. So it's been a, a, an incredible journey which has afforded me lots of learning opportunities and I'm deeply appreciative and, and grateful for those opportunities. So you tw- well, how old were you, 23 years old or so when you, start, when you became a... When, when I started in 2011, I was 24. When I was elected mayor, I was 26. So you're 26 years old. Um, you, you, I mean, this is probably not a job that, uh, that you envisioned when you were 18 or 19, right? Absolutely. I mean, I just wanted to, to be in the army uh, when I was growing up, either in business or join the army. So at least I got to serve my, my country in one way or another. So you, you get you get elected mayor and Midval municipality is the 16th best performing municipality in 2013. It is now the fifth best in the entire country. How do you do that? Look, I think it's a number of things. And uh, what is key to that is 
one, you need to have an, an, an environment that enables delivery of services. And the bedrock for that is solid and clean governance to be able to produce results which are predictable and have year-on-year improvement. So fortunately for me, I inherited a financially stable, viable municipality from my predecessors who had built an incredible foundation for me to work from there. And we just improved the performance, reinforced on governance. And that's really uh, how we did this and ensured that we sustain the results and improve the results year on year. So you get a sort of not a poison chalice, right? So you get something that you can work with. But I mean, as we speak now, as you exit um, the municipality, the municipality has achieved seven consecutive clean audits. That means the Auditor General has found no material misstatements or misrepresentations in your financial records as the municipality. It's all in line with regulations um, relating to spending on public funds. The reason why it's so shocking is because in this year alone, we live in a world where out of over 250 municipalities, only 27 municipalities have gotten clean audits. And the fact that you've gotten it you know, for seven consecutive years. I'm going to twist the question and ask, what is everyone else doing wrong that you did right? In, in my observation over a period of time, I found that one, the question on leadership first. Leadership is where things um, uh, start or end. Um, and subsequent to that is the governance of the institution and the weakening and the intentional weakening of the institution to allow thieves uh, to do whatever they want and raid the public purse. So I think for me, those two things, leadership and the weakening of governance, everything else becomes a manifestation of these two, whether it's corruption, maladministration, uh, and various other manifestations is the direct cause of lack of leadership and the lack of strong governance in these institutions. So so I think from my observation is these two fundamental things that have been going wrong for some time. But the third part is, is lack of adequate uh, community and civil activism. And, and what I mean by that is civil activism is is it has its 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 highs and lows and it's not consistent. It's issue based, and when we get elected into office, people just trust you with this incredible uh, task that is uh, that has been given to you, and the regular monitoring and in robust engagement insofar as the performance of the institution does not follow. So whenever we go to communities, it's never really holding the executive to account, but rather to moan about why this project is not happening and that project is not happening and not really about what is actually happening to the governance, to the performance of the institution. So to an extent, I think there's a lack of adequate uh, community and civil activism and participation in holding those that have elected to to, to, to office to account. And, and why I say that is in my experience in Midvale, we have really strong civil activism from various interest groups who ha- keep a very close watchful eye over the institution and, and they regularly ask difficult questions about the institutional performance, which does not really happen in public. So I really think our communities need to understand the business of local government beyond just complaining for streets and the output but also ask questions which sustain the output by improving the performance and the governance of the institution. So for me, it's those three things. is leadership, uh, lack of governance, and also lack of adequate community and civil participation. 
So even if you wanted to sleep on the job, this community and the residents of Midval will have never let you. Absolutely, because I mean they they have an interest. They've got a vested interest into what's happening in their communities, and what, in my observation, inspired this level of interest is seeing what's happening. In, in, in our borders, what's happening in uh, Mfuleni. So the fear of not of Midval not getting there has actually made people take an interest to uh, try and understand uh, the performance of the institution and what is happening. So they can ask really critical and key questions of us. So you talk about the Mfuleni municipality. So it's a tale of two municipalities. You're sisters, right? You're right next to each other in the Bal area. That's correct. It's worlds apart. That's all I can say. You know, there's a stark difference in just driving in the roads of the Mfuleni municipality versus driving in the Midworld municipality. How do you have such a divide? How is it that two areas literally next to each other, on one side of the fence, you have well-run municipality, Rubbish is collected every week on time. Roads are in order. Light bulbs are in order. All the things that a municipality needs to deliver. And on the other hand, you have the worst performing municipality in Gauteng. So the best performing municipality and the worst performing municipality, laden with corruption, inefficiency. What is the difference? Look, again, I'll I'll go back to the three points I mentioned. One, there's a leadership difference. I take a lot of pride into what I do, and so does my team, and it's part of our institutional culture and DNA as well. So it it, it baffles me how, as a mayor, you could drive from one point to another point in your municipality and you see all these things going wrong and do nothing about it and think things are normal, and how you could stay into a position for a, a period of time without showing any visible positive improvement of the institution. So for me, I think there's an issue about a lack of pride and love of what we do. Maybe that's a bit idealistic, but I I generally believe if you don't love what you do, you don't respect it and you're just doing it for the sake of doing it because it may be an opportunity for economic activity and not because there's genuine love and passion behind your decision to be in public service. And equally, if you have someone at the helm of an institution it's, it's crucial that that person embodies the type of values which are consistent with the institution and they don't proclaim one thing on the one side and do something contrary. So if we are at the helm of this institution, there has to be ethical leadership which improves the governance of the institution, sets the tone from the right levels to ensure that governance is improved through your systems, your processes, your policies that you regularly update and ensure that you 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 do so in, in the interest of the public and to guard against thieves. So if you don't do all of those things, and also if you, there isn't sufficient or adequate public and civil engagement, it affects the output. So at times it's those things. So, so I really think for me, as I observe, is those three, the lack of those three things that I've mentioned. So what drives you to perform when you look at your peers, mayors in other municipalities across the country, perhaps, you know, not have such a sort of almost celebrity? Because if you think of Midvale, your face immediately pops up in my mind. And I think to so many people listening, it would be the same. So how did you move from sort of just being the politician in charge of this municipality to becoming the champion of this entire area, holding sort of almost the aspirations, if you like, of the residents of that area. 
Look, look for me, I think it's the love of what I do, of public service, and and the passion that one has, and and I think my my children will will be able to Google me many years from now. Even in fact, not many years now, they can Google me and and pull stories about what I did, and from there, it will either inspire lots of trust and excitement and and proud, and uh, that their father has worked hard and done these amazing things. Or it will be deep embarrassment. And I really think that God has, has afforded me the space and time to, to do, to be of service to his people. Um, and, and the best way I could do so is by giving everything that I have and trying my ultimate best. And, and what keeps me going is really the love of, of my country. I really, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a patriot at heart and being of service to my country and just focusing on what I need to do. Uh, and co- because I mean, I, I I rarely compare myself to anybody else in this industry. Because what we've done, I've realized that I only have one race to run, and that's my race. So if I focus on my race, understand what we need to improve, and we could uh, do things differently, and and lose the sense of fear. I mean, the sense of fear can really hold he- hostage to better things and and growth. And I've really lost that sense of fear to try new things. And be really bold and try those things, and which unlock the type of performance in the environment and culture we've built in the institution. So for me, what really drives me is a sense, a deep sense of patriotism, and love for my country, and love and passion for what I do, uh, and in a, in a deep level of self-respect as well. Because I can't do stupid things. Uh, my children will ask me these difficult questions, and I won't have lawyers to to, pres- to prevent them from asking these questions. So, corruption is endemic especially in local government. And that's probably the reason why so many municipalities are falling apart. In your eight years, between you and me, did anyone approach you with anything sinister? And how do you then deal with something like that? Look, there have there has been various approaches. And it's not very direct. Um, uh, well, people will invite you for dinners, uh, various sports occasions, and at these events, they will not directly but imply certain things, right? And they'll try and, and, and woo you with this lifestyle that's way above what you can afford to try and also create a perception that you can easily access these things. We are friends now. At any point you want, don't hesitate. And that really is a trap. So, so I've often observed these things and really understood them and saw them for what they were and saw that it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an attempt of a very long and complicated approach to try and put me in a situation which becomes untenable. And now one will find themselves deeply infected and inflicted in these things. And I've never allowed it to get there. There has never been a direct approach. It's always uh, what I sense as an indirect approach, which is essentially trying to entice you. And once you entice, then other things start to happen as well. And I've avoided it there. I've accepted uh, what I can afford, what I can't afford. And uh, I deeply appreciate my sense of peace and peace of mind because those things are priceless. So uh, you at a function and Mr. Businessman Y says to you, why don't you bring your kids to my holiday home in the Val and, you know, the kids will enjoy some speedboats and, you know, you can use the, you can, you can use my, my, my um, holiday home free of charge. I mean, that's pretty enticing, right? Absolutely. Incredible. I mean, 
I remember when, um, well, BMW regularly uh, offers uh, to test drive vehicles. So that experience taught me a lot because you'd, you'd yeah. leave your own 320 uh, series BMW, you'll jump into a, a top of the range X5, right? At that point, before you even get into this X5, you are very happy with your car and your achievement. And then you get into this X5 top of the range. When you come back, you look at your car and think, yes, yes, this is the worst thing I could have done to myself. And I've experienced that luxury and I want to attain it. So that in my mind showed me that one has to be content with what you have. And if you can't afford it, don't touch it. Why do you think that your story is almost the exception to the norm? Having a half-decent mayor is not the normal lived realities of South Africans. Do you think we've become so accepting of corruption, of inefficiency, and just complete disregard from, um, you know, mayors or public servants to uh, their communities? And how do we change this? I think we have normalized a below-par performance to the extent that every year we expect worse and worse and people feel disempowered and not knowing what to do next. And I really think it's, it's, it's a bad situation to be in because what that allows for is a further deterioration of governance and, and the output of, of governance to the point where it creates the material environment which a revolution instability could easily be triggered by either young people deciding to take a stand and going a particular route. And why is it? I think it's also a level of apathy uh, that's invoked in people with the level of uh, performance and them feeling a bit despondent in uh, general body politics as well. So, so I really think then that may affect, as I mentioned earlier on, the inadequate level of civil engagement beyond just personalities. I think uh, Mr. Jacob Zuma showed all of us that we can really rally behind something, but uh, it's not adequate to just leave it there. We need to be consistent about those types of, of campaigns where we actually deal with where we are and uh, removing those who are at the helm of this institution by also demanding and extracting accountability and ensuring that there is a sufficient level of consequence management for those who who do these wrong things. And I think at times we project the councils to be the most corrupt, not realizing that you see, the, 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 some councillors actually don't actually understand or, or don't have the academic or, or life experience to understand some of the intricate parts of policies of council and governance issues as well, which opens a space for officials who have these nefarious intentions to either co-opt councillors uh, or create an environment where they mislead the executive and councillors. Uh, because of some of the shortcomings that are there. To jump in, I mean, uh, if you don't know the PFMA, it shouldn't be our problem. But it becomes your problem. I mean, we did a poll with Salga to determine how many of uh, councillors can actually work on laptops and even read financial statements. And, and the response there is worrying. So now you've got someone at the helm of these institutions who, and remember, there's no barrier or benchmark to be a public representative. Uh, except if you have a criminal record, I think. So virtually, I can leave school at uh, Standard 8, uh, be a rubble rouser and be able to mobilize people. And in three years' time, I'm a counselor. And because I've got forces on the ground, I'm in the mayoral committee and responsible for finance. And I think I know because I've had a small business, a tax shop now, I can manage money. 
and, and then that becomes a person responsible to provide the direction for of the financial institution or the financial aspect of the institution. So these things have a direct bearing. So that's why it's important for people to realize who they vote for and the competence and capabilities of those they vote for. So in short, then, what makes a good mayor? I think someone who loves their community, one, and someone who really uh, is, a, is a patriot and someone who does things on the in the best interest of their communities by ensuring you provide the right leadership uh, tone and consistent with the values that are embodied in the institution, which enables an environment for improving of governance, ensuring that you employ people who are competent, capable, and also ensuring that you instill a culture in the institution which enables the performance, uh, the regular performance evaluation, and a decent output, and equally uh, just in, in an efficient uh, consequence management as well. So if a mayor can do all those things, uh, I think uh, you'd be a good mayor. I think there's a few of the, the, the points which I would mention. But generally, I think uh, it's a difficult position to hold, but equally one of the most fulfilling things one has had the opportunity to do. Do you think you could have done what you have done outside of the DA in another party, perhaps? I don't think so, because where in the other party would you find a 24-year-old entrusted to be a member of the mayoral committee and given a, a department of human settlements and spatial planning, and within two and a half years given the opportunity and responsibility to be mayor? I, I, I don't know where else that story has been told, and I'm really grateful and fortunate that utilizing the democratic alliance I was given that opportunity, I, I don't see it as a reference point in other in other um, political parties. So where to from here for you? <laughs> well, um, a lot of thinking is, 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 is happening. A lot of conversations are happening. I'll probably decide uh, at the end of my term. Will you be staying in politics? Absolutely. It's the, 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 the desire to keep serving. You're definitely not giving us any more than, than, than what I'm trying to pull out of you, but that's okay. Just, you know, two questions as we wrap up um, or, or two areas to focus on um, as we wrap up is when we talk about the Democratic Alliance, which you've served for now for the past eight years and two years before as a member of the mayoral committee, so all in all about 10 years in, in public service on behalf of the Democratic Alliance, when the DA was having its racial moment of reckoning, and it has been for a while, where were you in all of that? It almost felt, and, and, and I'll, I'll preempt your answer by saying that you sort of stayed in your lane in the Val and didn't join the national sort of ructions that were happening at the time. What did you make of it? And what was your reflections on what was happening in the DA? I think uh, for me, those moments were very interesting. I was not in my lane of me. I made my views known on various occasions, which I felt is quite important to, to put my position and clarify my position with regards to some of the challenges we're having. And the tricky question about race as well has been quite interesting for me. The, the Democratic Alliance, by all means, is not a perfect party as the, from where I sit. And I joined it precisely for that point because I thought I could make a contribution and change it towards a particular direction, which I, I believe in and still believe in. So I joined politics not because it's the perfect organization, but I also see a gap which one can get into that space, be able to influence things towards the type of ideal state, which I think is the correct one. 
and that battle for me has, has is not finished. I mean, you politics is a long term game. You have to be able to survive these moments and keep on keeping on as well. So for me, I think this question is one that is still going to to come up uh, to the fore, and we are going to grapple with it for for some time uh, until we can we can find each other in a position which recognizes where we come from, not ideally um, a position which is a, which is future and future oriented and based, but the rea- reality of of where we are as a country. So I really think that question will still be a question that forever at times uh, trips us in how we respond and what we say. Um, but I think my general observation about also what happened in the past is it was good for the party to experience those things, for, for us to grapple and ask serious questions about the party, its existence, and whom we serve, who we think we serve, and also uh, seeing that the party was growing and still is growing, and you finding people from different walks of life and different backgrounds, how we interpret and respond to that question still remains fundamentally different. And that's why I think we'll, we'll still grapple with this question about identity in the party. I'm trying to remember the, the latter part of, of your question. Can you remind me again? First of all, what was your observations and how did you navigate it? Yeah, well, for me, I raised my points and, and even in public as well, or, or it was public knowledge, the Musima Imani issue, Helen Zilla statements as well, policy conferences from 2013 as well, which essentially is where there was the first um, change of policy and acceptance of broad-based black economic empowerment uh, under Helen Zilla. And it's very and it's also growth in various stages as well. But one must also remember, one has to balance out the, the work of being in executive office versus the, the politics of politics as well. So I've navigated that by um, by also remembering the very instructive oath of office. So if you're not in the executive and don't are not tasked with leading such an institution, it's difficult. To, it's well, it's easier for you to involve yourself in the politics of politics without uh, the recognition of your primary duty, which is which becomes your office that you've been sworn into. So I think I, I've had a, I had a managed a fine balance between the two. And maybe at a later stage, without the, the the burden of executive office, one will be able to venture in a much more uh, flexible and deeper manner than one has been able to do. So you're going to be speaking out more on race and the DA's position on race going forward. Yeah, one will be interested in into the politics of things in in the in the party. And I think one of the things we don't recognize is is the responsibility you carry when you are in executive office and you. You really have to reach a fine balance of, and you don't have the freedom and the latitude to do and say things and engage in manner that will preoccupy you and make the politics your primary core business and not the executive office that you hold. So that office has lots of burdens and, and limitations for you. So that you must recognize over and above representing the DA, but also lead people in my municipality who don't care what the DA's views on race are who just want water and they want me to focus on delivery of water and theirs, they regularly remind me. So that crystallizes your focus. But going forward in future, I think without the burden of executive office, one is in a much better space to be able to engage and immerse myself in the politics of politics. Do you have any regrets? No, none whatsoever. I, I take ownership of the failures, the challenges, shortcomings, and the success. I have no regret at all. All that I could do, I did with the best that I could give within the uh, with the available information I had at that time. And I think I had a great run, so I don't have any regrets. 
And what would your message be to your successor? Good luck. <laughs> it's like when Sir Alex Ferguson left uh, Man United, there, there's really big shoes to fill. Have confidence in your ability. Be mindful and have a sense of awareness of the shoes that you need to fill. They are uh, uh, low-hanging fruits. Focus on those things. Take time to build. Take care of the ship. Uh, have steady hands. Be really emotionally uh, mature and really focus on what you can and block out the outside pressure and take time, but also have a deep appreciation of the delivery methodology. It, and and to, to get seven years or 10 years worth of experience will take you 10 years. So one step at a time. So you are the Alex Ferguson of Midval Municipality. Of local government. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bungani Bulai, thank you for your time. Thank you for your service and all the best for the future. We really appreciate this conversation and we look forward to what you do next. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. This brings our show to an end. This episode of Ballot Box was presented by Konita Hunter and produced by Shante Schatz. The music in this episode is courtesy of Getty Images and Epidemic Sound. For more elections content, go to news24.com forward slash elections.